And welcome everyone to another episode of the Rob Genius Podcast. Uh, this episode, we have Tory Lanez got sentenced. Good riddance. <laughs> um, Michael Orr has, has beef with his, well, not quite adopted parents. Um, we'll get to that. And there's a new candidate popping up on the GOP side who's getting some cable news and some um, Twitter attention. And I'm going to talk about him. And who knows what else I'm going to get to before this is over. <laughs> Just listen and stay tuned. Because i um, got a couple of surprises I'm not going to mention here I'm going to get to. So, But anyway, it is almost September. School is about to start here. Um, 2023 going by very quickly. And... It is almost football season. Well, it's preseason already. Washington Commanders won the other night. Uh, Sam Howell, quarterback, <coughs> was going to be starting. Looked really good. Basically, he can throw the ball. <laughs> Which, and you say, well, he's a quarterback. Of course, he's supposed to be able to throw the ball. Um, Taylor Heineke, cannot, who was the quarterback last year, cannot throw the ball more than 10 yards downfield without it, things ending badly. Um, you know, Sam Howell is can do that and more just the, the physical ability to throw the ball everywhere is one of those things that people take for granted but like you know you don't know about you know you uh, don't know what you got till it's gone okay and when you have a guy I don't care what type of heart he has or how smart he may be on the field when, when you can't throw the ball more than 10 yards downfield bad things happen and that's what it was with Taylor Heineke last year. Um, <clears throat> I mean, he had everything else. I mean, he had all the kind of mental and psychological tools to be good. But it's just he couldn't throw the ball. He can't. Oh, he can't because now he's in Atlanta. God bless him. And, look, I mean, and that's, look, I'm not saying he shouldn't be in the NFL. <clears throat> but a starting quarterback on a playoff team if you're going to have a, a guy, a starting quarterback on a playoff team who can't throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field consistently, then everything else has to be perfect. Running game has to work perfect. Defense has to be perfect. The receivers got to, you know, make magic happen after they catch the ball. And, that you know, they weren't doing all that last year. So, and you can't count on that. Right? You can't, you can't run a playoff caliber offense you know, on everybody else will be perfect. And then the quarterback just needs to make, you know, he's limited, but if he, <clears throat> if we make it so he doesn't have to throw the ball down the field and everybody else is perfect, we'll be fine. Um, you can't go but so far with that. You can, you can pull maybe a season out of that, but you can't you know, pull a multi-year run out of, with that. So, I'm glad they got Howland, and I'm glad he's going to get the start. And um, since football season's almost here, that means gambling season's here. <laughs> and I did what I do. I put the money line down on the commanders, and they came through. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. But, um, 
we'll get into more of that as the season goes along. But look, let's get the rest of those things started, shall we? All right, so this is a Vivek guy. Um, he's getting his two minutes in the sun, and I dare say, yeah, it's well, he's not even gonna get 15 minutes of fame. He's gonna be, he's gonna be in and out pretty quickly, um, because he, you know, he got some online slash social media buzz, and. At the last debate, I won't say that he stood out, but it's just he's a new guy. And so I guess, okay, he stood out because he was new, right? Because people have seen Nikki Haley, they've seen Tim Scott, and they're boring. And Mike Pence is boring, and he's been around. And Ron DeSantis is weird. And, you know, people are starting to sour. People have been souring on DeSantis, but now I think it's reaching the point of it being a campaign killing thing. And so you got this guy, and he was new, is new, hasn't been seen before. People curious, and he's look, he's a very slick talking type of dude. So if you don't know, if you don't actually know better, then he sounds like somebody who knows what he's talking about. Um, reality is he doesn't, but he sounds like it, and so he's gotten attention. And he's got some curiosity, and just in one of those little, you know, post-debate panel things, surveys, uh, there were people who were comparing him to Obama, and which, by the way, that's racist, because the only thing he and Obama have in common is they both have brown skin, um, and that's it. This this guy is a total con artist, and and is and is what I was often what is often found with a lot of these kind of new, younger folks who are, you know, uh, newly minted Republicans or what have you. Um, a lot of them have stuff in their background to suggest that they weren't always on that that they switched sides not out of you know a true change in beliefs but I, but they did it out of just kind of career political expediency now uh Vivek isn't black but a lot of these black republican types were anything but that right up until Trump actually got elected or or Trump won the presidency or whatever you want to describe it and and what happened? They they switched out of expediency, and that's really all it was. Right? They switched because the you know the the, the line is shorter on the right for people of color than it is on the left. Right? Cause I mean, on the left you have. Well, you got the white folks are already there, but then you also have, you know, there are already people of color who have been in, been there for a while, who are veterans, so to speak. Uh, and so if you're just trying to make a career out of being a politician, yes, the line is shorter on the right. If you're a person of color, 
they will move you up to the front really quickly. They will put you on camera really quickly. They'll put you to the podium really quickly because it serves a purpose to them. Um, because you know they they have to. One of the you know things that they try to do is you know they they want they want to prove that they're not racist, and so if you're a person of color who's willing to run out there and start, you know, echoing the talking points and also, you know, throw out some reverse racism rhetoric, if you're that guy, if you're or that girl, you're willing to do that, they will move, yeah, you can move up the front of the line real fast. And so this guy Vivek, he, uh, he went to college on a uh, George Soros grant. And we know George Soros is the great Satan or one of the great Satans on the right, you know, from, you know, to the right wing people, they've been, you know, they throw the name George Soros around, if you're affiliated with George Soros, even if you're not, they throw it around, well, this is George Soros type of stuff, right, to paint you as some crazy left wing, you know, globalist, whatever, whatever, right, so he went to school on a George Soros funded education. And that should already be a red flag. It should be a red flag because if you're, I mean, look, look, if you're on the right, that should be a red flag because they, because again, your leaders have been telling you for well over a decade that it's a red flag that anything that has to do with George Soros is bad and is terrible and blah blah blah. So this guy going, getting funded by George Soros to go to get his college education, if you're on the right, that should be like a super huge red flag. And look, if you're on the left, the fact that he did that and now he's a right-winger, that should be a red flag also. So this guy shouldn't have any constituency. He's, he's a con man and he's a flim-flam artist. And that should be the takeaway. But he's fresh. He's new in a, a room full of boring people who have been there for a while. And then you know, the one not boring person who has been there for a while, of course, is Trump. And it, you know, um, and the right, they they want the good things. They want the things that make you know the that come with Trump. Well, the the good things that come with Trump, I guess for them are, are well it's funny it's not even success right I mean it's, it's energy right I mean there's some success because I mean yes uh, in some already red districts or states some people did run up some bigger margins due to the Trump energy um, but it's still you know the success of the Trump political brand is very much overstated but the energy is not. And so look, they want the energy. And they, they're hoping that the energy can carry them over the finish line. You know. To win. And but 
that they won't get stuck with all the other things that come with Trump. Which, look, it's a fool's errand. Like, you, I'm sorry, you can't fully harness the Trump energy without getting Trump. And <clears throat> if you're hoping that, you know, you can get the Trump energy without being stuck with all the bad things that come along with Trump, things that, that may very well may sink our country, literally. Um, against fool's errand. Uh, if, if you think... Trump is bad, or you think Trump should not be in office? Then you then you need to vote for the other guys, and the other guys are the Democrats. Okay, and if you're a right winger, but you think Trump is terrible, then then you need to get Trump out of there. And to do that, you need to vote for the Democrats. But these folks that don't want to do that, they're, they're still they're gambling that they can somehow harness the Trump energy and not get stuck with all the other stuff. Um, this guy and. They've looked at the Republican field. Again, Pence is boring. And he's a pussy. To be perfectly honest. Um, you know, Tim Scott is boring. He's a coon. Um, Nikki Haley is boring. And, well, I can't use either of those two terms to describe her. But, yeah, you know. But, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> um... Chris Christie is daily a dollar short, and he has the Trump stink on him because he was a Trump guy right up until it wasn't, you know, good to be anymore. Um, and like I've been saying about DeSantis, he's weird and he's an asshole. So this guy Vivek, he's you know, for now he doesn't appear to be any of those things. But he just he just talks he talks his word salad and it's it's bullshit. And something interesting happened. He got fact checked by Sean Hannity. Um, because Sean Hannity said, well, you said we need to, we should cut off aid to Israel by 2028. And one thing that is a unifying principle on the, like the old school political right is support for Israel. So any rhetoric about cutting off support to Israel is going to set off alarm bells. And so Hannity you know, basically pulled him up on it. He said, well, I didn't say that. And and then, craziest thing, Sean Hannity fact-checked him. Sean Hannity said, no, I got the quote. Do you want me to give it to you? I'm going to read it to you. And then he and Vivek went on and started on some, some word salad. You know, well, they're just saying this because they're scared of my ascension. Or whatever. Um, if, if It looks like, you know, the order may have been given to put the hit out on this guy. Um, political hit, not like you know, bullets, right? But um, so we'll see. Um, you know, look, the GOP is going through it right now, man. Um, hey, because look, they were um, and this well, they're going through it before. It's just. They, they, you know, Trump came along, and, and again, Trump brought the energy um, that these other folks don't have. Because look, look, there's no national energy for banning abortion. There's no national energy for giving more tax breaks to rich people. There's no national energy for 
even for for going after LGBT folks, there's no there's no energy for going after them. Yes, there are people who you know are not on board. There are people who still think that you know aren't sure what to make of it all, make of LGBT folks. Uh, you know, yes, there are people. Who, still are confused about what, you know, transgender means and all of that. Yes. Is there national energy to attack those people? No. Um, right. So, I mean, there's no national energy to make it easier for polluters. Right. Um, right. All these things that the Republican Party has stood for, has come to stand for, like, there's no national energy for it. Like, yeah, there are people who who agree with it, people, but as far as, there's no national energy for that. There's no wave of just fire on a national level to push those, to, you know, put those policies in place. So the only thing they got going for them that can generate any type of energy is hatred, one, and then you know, somebody like Trump. Like Trump is unique. Trump is one of a kind. Um, he's lightning in a bottle, basically. And you take him away and they have a bunch of boring people. Or people who are pushing policies that, again, don't have any type of national support. And so, yeah, it makes it more and more difficult for them to win anything. So they're... They're latching on to anybody who shows any type of freshness or newness or whatever. And this guy Vivek, um, I mean, he did that just by way of being new and being younger and having, yeah, he actually has some more energy in his delivery and all of that. Um, but he's not Trump. And also, for right now, being, you know, the being a, not a white guy is working for him right now. But... It will most it will most definitely work against him later. So, look, he's getting his fifteen minutes of fame. I think it's August now, about to be September. I think come January, he'll be in single digits. All right, and come January, he won't be any better off than any of the rest of the field. So, and I saw like in, in one recent poll, Trump's, you know. Went down by like, he went down by like 6%. And again, this is, this is curiosity season. This is also amidst a wave of, you know, him being indicted and having a mugshot taken and all that stuff. Um, if he doesn't get arrested again, if he doesn't get any more arrests or indictments, then I imagine that that polling dip will probably, he'll probably recover. Because right now, you know, people are more apt to kind of look elsewhere right now. But when it comes time to vote in the primary, a lot of these folks are going to be right back on the Trump train. So, um, it's what it is. So, enjoy, Vivek. Enjoy your 15 minutes of fame. I'm sure you'll find out you, you will turn this into right-wing media and speaking stuff for the rest of your life. So, on that end, I guess, mission accomplished. Congratulations, I guess. But you ain't never going to be president, bro. You're not. And I think he knows this.
He, again, he's a con man. Okay. He's doing this to get his profile up and get his money up. Period. So, anyhow, I'm still picking Trump to win the GOP nomination until he doesn't actually win it. So, yeah. All right, let's move on, shall we? All right, so um, the strikes continue. And now we're at the point where John Cena is coming back for eight weeks on Friday Night SmackDown. John's coming back to wrestle more than likely because he has nothing else to do. <laughs> okay, whatever stuff he was filming is obviously not being filmed right now. Um, look, and let me just tell you, uh, I'm going to keep hammering this. The key point through all of these strikes and, you know, half-ass attempts at negotiating from the studios is that they don't want to pay people. That's all this comes down to. They don't want to pay people. Um, so now we find out this week um, that Netflix is already paying people. Like, in, you know, outside of the United States, they're already paying people based on the performance of the series that they do. Right, which is a, a stick, which is a sticking point here, because here in the United States they don't Netflix and other streamers do not share the viewership data for the various movies and series, and they just say trust us, and you know if if we say your if we say your movie or your series is doing really well, then it is. If we say it's not, then it's not, and you know they have this dubious practice of you know canceling things before they reach a certain number of episodes or a certain number of seasons. Um, whereas, you know, outside of the United States, they're sharing the viewership data and they have a, you know, payment system in place where you do make more money the more successful your series is or movie is. Now they, want, they, they don't want to do that here. So that's, that's a big thing. Because, and look, you know, the, um, and look, it's one of two things. Um, there are two things going on here. One, if they share the data, if, if, if the viewership data is actually higher than they want you to think, then they, they got to pay people more. But then, on the other side, if the viewership data is lower than what people think, then that kind of, you know, they have kind of a whole, you know, three-card Monty thing going on with the stock market. And if, if the viewership numbers are lower than what they're telling the, the Wall Street folks, then that kind of ruins the shell game. And, you know, because a lot of their value is basically funny money. It's, you know, vaporware, basically. Um, so that's why they don't want to share. They don't want to share the data because it either exposes them for not being as viewed as they want you to think or exposes them to being more viewed which means they got to pay people more and they're trying to basically continue to kind of split the difference or play both sides against the middle and you know whatever you want to term you want to use but this still comes down to they don't want to pay people you know uh, there have been stories from people who worked as extras saying that you know they've been getting screwed and that basically a lot of these studios are trying to capture their image you know, while they're on set, 
so that they can just you know, CGI it into future productions and not have to pay them anymore. Look, man, rule number one when it comes to these negotiations with these big corporate people, rule number one is always management's lying. Okay. That is rule number one. Management is lying. You have to... Okay, you got it. You got to take it there. They're lying. Um, let's... They lie about how much money they make. They lie about how much money they can pay you. They lie about everything. Okay? Because, again, their whole, you know, kind of structure of opulence or wealth or whatever is based on not paying people. They can't, I mean... Now, they can all... They can pay people and probably still live better than... 99% 99% of us, but, you know, they want to be able to live, not just live better than 99% of us, they want to live, like, far above and beyond, you know, 99% of us, and to do that, you have to not pay people, and this is what they're trying to do, and, you know, and, Yeah. So, when it comes to money, when it comes to matters of money, I side with labor always because management is full of shit. Okay. You know, and if you're going to tell me that this player or this writer or this wrestler or this recording artist is quote unquote getting paid too much, I'm going to tell you no, they aren't. Okay. Their labor is what generates the the wealth that these people have. These studio heads who don't create anything. I mean, you know, they get they make phone calls, and you know, through their meetings and phone calls and what have you, the, the kind of space is generated to you know mass distribute you know music, TV, whatever. But that's it. Like, they don't write songs. They don't make TV. They don't write TV. They don't act. You know, they don't they do not do anything. Again, except, you know, they make deals. And they, their deal-making, you know, creates a space to mass-produce and mass-distribute, you know, various forms of art. But... Without that, people will still make art. People can still make art. Um, will the you know few individuals at the top make as much as some of them are making now? No. But you know, more people across the business as a whole. Would be making, you know, enough money to live. 
Um, and look, a lot of the people who are in high positions as far as actors and whatnot, you know, they're striking, they're right there with the writers. And, you know, and they're okay with those folks making more than they're making. Um, it's okay. It's just the, the studio folks, the executives, it's, it's them who don't want to share. And they're hoping that they can, you know, break the backs of labor and get them to capitulate. And that's all this is. So keep striking. Stay strong, everybody. I'm here. I'm on your side. And between stuff that's already been made, you know, stuff that's in the can waiting to be put out, you know, I will watch what is available until y'all get back. I'd rather y'all get what y'all supposed to get. So, you know, stay strong. I'm with you. And to all the studio people, fuck you very much. How about that? All right, um, back to politics because um, Mitch McConnell had another freezing incident. Look, man, he's got to get out of there. Um, he's he's in failing health. It it's clear and obvious. Like you can't cover this up. It's bit bad. It's really bad. <clears throat> and he again is making an argument for. Well, some people talk more term limits or age restriction. Um, me, I think there needs to be, yes, I mean, there needs to be some type of cognitive testing, I believe. Um, I don't know that age is a proper barrier because Like, if we're talking about something like dementia, I mean, there are people who get early onset, onset, you know, Alzheimer's or whatever, and, you know, a age limit would not, you know, do anything there. And, you know, term limits, I'm not for term limits, because, yeah, I mean, look, and look, unfortunately, the, the explanation I got for why term limits are bad. It's very long and drawn out. <coughs> um, it's hard to really, you know, simplify and give a simple... Well, but I'll try. Okay, basically, one of the biggest one of the biggest sources of power people have in office is, there, is by being there. It's the fact that as long as I'm here in this seat, you got to deal with me. All right, and therefore, there's some clo- there's a closed vote on some legislation. You might have to come talk to me. You might have to ask me for something, right? As long as I'm here. <clears throat> but and that and so that gives power to people who stay in office, obviously. So what happens if you put limits on how long people can stay in office? Well. Okay, yeah, that power diminishes because now if I know I only got to deal with you for two more years, then yeah, that diminishes your power. 
but power doesn't vaporize. Power just simply shifts. It goes to different places. So if power is taken from the office holders, then where does it go? And that's the thing. That's so, I mean, the political power from being there, if, if we take it away from the, the senators and Congress people, then where does that power go? Right? It doesn't go to the people. No. It goes to, there's somebody else, and there are other people involved in the process who now will be the people who are always there. And that power you take away from the office holders will go to those people. That might be lobbyists. That might be staffers, the people who you know work for the senators or Congress people, right? Because if you know if you're in a state that's always electing the same party to the Senate, then even when you, when you get the term limits on one, then whoever replaces them will probably be in the same party, and they'll probably hire a lot of the same staff. So which means now you can create a condition where the staff people are the ones who were there forever and until the lobbyists are there forever lobbyists don't go away until they unless they go to jail um so you're simply shifting the power around and the difference between the congress people and the senators and you know we vote for them right we don't vote for staff we don't vote for lobbyists they never have to face an election, right? So we're, you're shifting power away from people who we, who we at least get to vote on, and you're shifting it to people who we never who, who we never get to vote on, right? I mean, if you're a good chief, a good chief of staff could you know end up being chief of staff to whoever holds that Senate seat for the next 30 years. And they never once have to face election. So, just something to think about. Right? I mean, it doesn't solve the problem. I mean, look, term limits term limits will get, if there's somebody who is especially bad, <coughs> and if you can replace them with somebody who is better, then okay, yeah, the term limits thing it makes sense, but term limits just for the sake for well, we need to get this person out of that seat before they before they are there too long. That is not by itself is that's not a solution all by itself. Okay, and like with Mitch McConnell, right? If you think Mitch, if you think Mitch McConnell is a terrible senator. Which I do. The only problem is <coughs> whoever replaces him in Kentucky is going to vote the exact same way. And now the Kentucky legislature has, you know, changed the rules in Kentucky so that the governor cannot replace, cannot name Mitch McConnell's replacement if he were to step down. Right now, Kentucky has a Democrat governor. So, of course, if McConnell were to step down, in most places, McConnell were to step down, the governor would nominate a replacement. And the Democrat governor would nominate a Democrat. 
obviously. <clears throat> and that would change the entire makeup of the Senate. But, um, Kentucky legislature changed the rules. So, if McConnell does step down, we'll get somebody, at least voting-wise, will be just as bad. And on the flip side of it, you know, Diane Feinstein in California is, you know, Democrat who is also going through it health-wise and should not be there. <coughs> and, um, if you're a MAGA person and you hate Diane Feinstein, <laughs> then, um, forcing her out because of term limits or age or whatever isn't going to do nothing for you because it's California, right? I mean, you force out Diane Feinstein, you end up with Gavin Newsom, Right? I mean, that's not really, if you're, if you're a MAGA person, that's not really helping you. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying that some people shouldn't, should leave office. Okay. McConnell should not be there. Diane Feinstein should not be there. They should, well, they should be out. <clears throat> okay. They should. Because they're both, they're in no condition to be serving the United States Senate right now. Neither of them. But what has to happen, I think, I mean, <coughs> um, well, because I'm, I'm, I'm making a case for stronger political parties. Because the political parties, the party apparatus, the party structure, the party establishment, so to speak. And neither, in neither party it, it, is the party establishment as strong as it used to be. There was a time where just the, the Democratic Party <coughs> would go to Diane Feinstein and they would say, okay, you know, they would they would have told her before she ran the last time that, okay, Diane, it's been great. Um, it's time for you to move on. And we need to get a younger person in there. And <coughs> if she balked at it, then they would have funded a primary challenger and and thrown their weight behind the primary challenger. And, you know, good luck. They would have <clears throat> done the old backroom strong arm deal, and she would have stepped down. But you know the parties aren't that strong anymore, right? And look, we see it with the Republican Party and Trump. You know, like the old school days of the Republican Party when political parties were stronger, Trump would have never gotten a nomination. You know, they had a strong arm him out of the race. I think, that, look, the parties need to step up. Parties need to, you know, they need to twist some arms and force these people not to run again. And if they want to keep running, then, then you, then the party should get behind the primary challenger and they should give them full funding and full promotion and everything. And, um, that's what I think. <clears throat> I think we keep putting up rules to try and save ourselves from ourselves. Because we, and, and look at voters, right? I mean, you know, Feinstein has a, you know, if, if, and you, if you're an old senator with failing health and it's visible and it's obvious, but they keep wanting to run, they keep wanting to run, and 
if they get a good primary challenger, then you should vote for the primary challenger. You know, I mean, then <clears throat> there's you know, there's old cliche, and I, I don't always agree with it, but sometimes I do, and that is, you get the government you deserve. I mean, if you want these old people whose health is failing, if you want them out of office, ultimately it's up to us voters we do to vote them out of office. You could have voted Mitch McConnell out. You could have voted Diane Feinstein out. Here in Maryland, where I live, um, we have an old senator, Ben Cardin, who is choosing not to run again. Um, <coughs> and I'm glad, you know, I'm glad he's making the choice. But unfortunately, we can't count on the you know, benevolence of people in high office. But I, again, just this isn't as simple as a thing as it is, as it looks. So, just some stuff to think about. All right, one last thing. We're out of here. Um, this man named Harrison Floyd, not Harrison Ford, not Harrison Barnes, Harrison Floyd, who is in jail. <clears throat> and while he's in jail, he's one of the he's one of the he's, he's part of the Trump gang. I forgot whether he was a January sixth guy or a, or a election overthrow guy. I forget, but <clears throat> you know he's one of these. He, he's in. He's a brother. And he's on Trump train, and he's one of the people who've been charged, and all this, is, you know, all the Trump people getting indictments and charges and stuff. And there's one thing about him that's a little different, other than him being black, and it's that he got no bail. He got no bail agreement. Every, you know, these other folks all got bail agreements or whatever. He got no bail. He's as a song. By the fat boys said, We're in jail without no bail. We're in jail. <laughs> in jail without no bail. <clears throat> and it's funny. You know why it's funny? Because you, sir, Mr. Floyd, you thought, you thought that they were, that, that, that they were going to be good to you. You thought that all that shucking and jiving and dancing for Mr. Trump was going to get you some was he was, they was going to help you out <clears throat> hey you thought you were special you thought you know because they, they made you feel like you weren't like the rest of us no they made you feel like you were their special negro yeah and now in your hour of need you did not get good enough legal representation to get yourself a bail agreement. And you got no money. In the, or maybe, yeah, yeah, because you got you got nothing. And now you're in jail. And you're not getting out. <coughs> and all your buddies that you were you know, selling out for, they got nothing for you. And this is just a memo to any of my brothers and sisters who want to dance for the maggot train or dance for the Mr. GOP or any of them folks. This is what happens. Okay, and and look, I'm not saying that the Democrats will not disappoint you or they may not hurt you or whatever. I'm not saying that. But these GOP folks, 
they, you know, they waved carrot in front of you, and if you're a brother or sister who wants to, you know, get on the maggot train, you know, they'll move you to the, they'll put you up in front of the crowd, they'll put you on camera, they give you the microphone, you know, they'll make sure everybody sees you, right? But then when things go bad and you need the help, they got nothing for you. <coughs> okay. And Mr. Floyd is out here committing crimes for Mr. Trump. And now you're in jail. And I do not feel an ounce of sympathy for you. Because look, um, after Trump got elected, there were a bunch of, there were some people, some of these influencers, some of these internet folks, Diamond and Silk and Kanzo and some of these other folks. A lot of these folks were anti-Trump before he got in office, by the way. Then when he got in office, they, they, they saw that the money was on the MAGA train. And they saw there was more money to be made being black on the MAGA train than being black and resistant. So they switched sides and got on the MAGA train. And it does... You end up just being a mascot... That they call on so that they can tell people, hey, look, we're not racist. We have all these Negroes here. But then again, when it, when it goes bad, what happens? What happens? You end up in jail, in jail like Mr. Floyd. So, <sighs> good luck at trial. We may not be seeing you for a while. So sad. <laughs> not really but you know anyway alright let's get out of here um, sorry this took so long well I had it up for a while because I had published it with some music in it but it it was I don't know it was got hung up limbo out there so I took the music out and, and redid some of the show this episode um, so this is the finished product and so I hope you <coughs> dig what I had to say here this time around and so I'm going to get out of here. And as always, folks, um, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. And talk to you next time. God bless you guys. Later. <laughs>